Good Wednesday morning to everybody and welcome to On Texas Football Today. Coffee and football. I'm your host, Blake Monroe, where I'm joined each and every morning by Jerry Hamilton and Bobby Burton, both of On uh, On 3 and InsideTexas.com. And guys, we're halfway through the week, which means we're only three days away from kickoff. We're only two days away from Dominic McKinley announcing his decision, Jerry. Um, so can you give us a little bit on that? Maybe a recruiting synopsis. You know, Texas right now sitting with 16 commitments. What are the uh, strengths and weaknesses for this class? Maybe what have they done so far and what still needs to be done for the Texas coaches? Yeah, and I always lead off. Thank you. I see St. Louis, Springfield, Missouri, South Korea. I mean, every day it seems like new cities, towns, yeah. NYC, countries. I mean, this is awesome, guys. Thank you for joining in every morning. Yeah, Texas has the number 18th rank, number 18 ranked recruiting class in the on three class rankings right now. They signed the number five class in 2022, number three class last year in 2023. Um, right now, I think, look, Texas has done a good job uh, at running back, obviously getting the two top guys on the board, Christian Clark, Jarrett Gibson. I think they've done a good job addressing size on the defensive line with Alex January and DeAndre Robinson, two guys that are 6'3 and a half, 6'4, 6'4 and a half, 315, 325. And Melvin Hill's a developmental guy uh, there who just needs some time to develop physically. Um, and I think corner. I think Santana Wilson's very good. I think Jordan Johnson Rebell is very, very good safety. I think they did very well there. Great center prospect in Daniel Cruz, guys. They, uh, Daniel made his first high school start at center last Thursday. Uh, they play again tomorrow night. I'll have the commit schedules up um, for 2024 and 2025, which is KJ Lacey. I'll have that up on Inside Texas about 10 a.m. this morning. Uh, two guys that won't be at the Texas game Saturday, Colin Simmons and Alex January, have a Saturday game this week against Rockledge High. So if anybody – I saw some questions. Any recruits coming to the game? Um, <clears throat> but uh, so – some of those guys at Duncanville, guys, obviously can't come to the Texas game Saturday. Uh, what's left for Texas? <clears throat> Dominic McKinley obviously announces Friday. I, I, I remain the same. I think it's AM or Texas. I think Oklahoma, because of Todd Bates, is uh, hanging around the rim, but might be a little too far away from home at the end of the day. I think Larry Johnson uh, at, at Ohio State had has the Buckeyes in as good a position as they could be, but they're too far away from home. LSU's not expecting to win this recruitment right now. Um, as of Tuesday, late afternoon, evening. Uh, so I really think it's coming down to AM and Texas because of proximity. Um, and we'll see which way it goes. I think it'll be interesting to see, does he like the smaller town college feel in <clears throat> College Station, which is very similar to Lafayette. Uh, I think computer science is the the, the major he's going to go uh, to in, in the college, at, at, in college. So Texas is very strong there, A&M's. Strong there as well. Texas obviously stronger in computer science. But I do think ac academics sometimes are a, a talking point. They're not in this recruitment. Uh, Mom's been in education for 24 years. She is overall the teachers in Lafayette Parish. So she's got a big job uh, there. And uh, she is serious about education. Uh, I don't think there's been some talk about Dominic McKinley. He wants to play in a four-man front so it wouldn't be Texas. Texas plays a four-man front. This is not a scheme a decision. There's not a scheme that's going to push one over the top at the end of the day. Uh, so we'll see what happens there. Wardell Mack still scheduled. The Florida commitment out of uh, John Arrett and Marrero remains scheduled to be in Austin Saturday. We're going to double and triple check on that today and tomorrow at Inside Texas. Uh, I think edge is big. 
Uh, Zinu Meozulu obviously will be at the Texas game Saturday. Neto's first game, sophomore season. Allen has a game Friday night at home. Then the family will drive down to Austin uh, a Saturday morning for that Texas game. Uh, then Danny Okoye, the edge out of Tulsa, the home school, uh, he's coming in September 16th. Then you have Solomon Williams out in Tampa at Carrollwood Day, who Texas PK is talking to the coach and Solomon about a fall official visit. Texas needs to knock out a couple of guys on the edge to go with Colin Simmons in this class. Kobe Black, I still think, is a Texas lean at Waco Connolly. Uh, Ryan Wingo, Micah Hudson, receivers on the board. Ryan Wingo remains Missouri, Texas with Tennessee in it. He's, he's scheduled to be in Austin September 16th and then Tennessee on the 30th. Uh, so then we'll see. The evaluation process has started. I mean, remember this time last year, Warren Roberson and Jelani McDonald were not on Texas fans' radar. And they're two freshmen who have more than impressed, not as early enrollees, ended up uh, top 200 guys in the country, Bobby. That, I love that fact, Jerry. I, I, I genuinely and I am excited when we start talking about stuff like that because, frankly, um, so many people want to pigeonhole recruiting classes about what's happening right now. We don't even know what might happen. Right. Add that to the portal coming. Um, Brandon, but you mentioned all those five stars, not only Dominic McKinley, Brandon Baker, Kobe yep. Black, Ryan Wingo, even Micah Hudson, Texas still talking to uh, the receiver as well. Uh, quite a few guys still out there. You think, that, like, is the defensive line right now an edge – on the defensive side of the ball, is that the primary spots that Texas is kind of connected on, even though they, they do have Santana Wilson uh, in, in the boat as well at cornerback? What, what are the guys on defense, really, Jerry, that you really like? Yeah, I think they – obviously, Colin Simmons, DeAndre Robinson, Alex January, huge with the move to the SEC. Colin Simmons, a dynamic edge guy. He was the must-get for me in this class. He was the must-get recruit. And I know people say there are no must-get recruits. Well, college coaches disagree. They believe there are some must-get recruits. And Colin Simmons was recruited and treated like that uh, by the Texas staff. And I agree with the Texas staff for the Longhorns. And I think Alex January and DeAndre Robinson, both, both being early enrollees, Colin Simmons, an early enrollee. That's key here. Those two big-body defensive linemen getting those guys in early. Um, and I, I can tell you that uh, – Texas staff thinks DeAndre Robinson has a chance to be a big, big time player. Uh, so I think they've done very well there. I think they're addressing needs. I, I really do. Um, I, I it'll be interesting to see, you know, whether they get Dominic McKinley or somebody flips at the high school level or they go to the portal. I think they're going to fill that uh, last need on the defensive line. Uh, it, it, at edge, I think they need to hit one or two more guys, maybe one more. And if, if there's somebody in the portal that makes sense. Uh, but they definitely need to get one more guy at each of those positions, whether it be high school or portal. All right. Hey, Jerry, the other thing that uh, we're talking about today uh, and I wanted to bring up is we still are waiting right now uh, yep. for uh, Steve Sarkeesian to give us a depth chart. Uh, he has not done that and appear apparently has no inclination to do so. Uh, we believe uh, that, uh, we believe that there is a battle right now at running back. That's what, what that's what from behind the scenes that we're being told. Junior Jonathan Brooks is trying to hold off freshman Cedric Baxter. Will he be able to do it? Uh, I don't know. Uh, we're gonna we're gonna see. Also, Gavin Holmes, the transfer from uh, Wake Forest, is trying to unseat Terrence Brooks. 
at the field corner position. Uh, that is the other big uh, news right now as far as the team is concerned. And then I, I wrote today, guys, uh, that I really, really uh, am uh, impressed right now with Texas overall. It's health with Maurice Blackwell, the only one out two to four weeks, uh, as well as its talent overall, the coaching staff and its continuity. All of that mixed together, the quarterback uh, depth that Texas has. This is the first time I've put Texas or predicted Texas to win 10 games in a regular season since 2010. Yeah. I want y'all to, I mean, I've, I've predicted Texas go seven and five, six and six in years. It's the first time I've, and, and that's, I got hated on for doing that. Back <laughs> I mean, I literally, Blake was part of the site when I did that one year and he's like, what are you doing? I'm like, well, I, I like said, they're going to be seven and five. And they ended up five and seven. I, I just didn't see it this year. I feel a little bit differently about this team, having seen them three times in person already this fall, uh, fall camp. Uh, they, they just so much more talented and I think they're on the right track. Well, Bobby, what you brought up, Gavin holes made me think about something. Let's go through the five guys that Texas got out of the portal and where they're at entering the season. Ryan Sanborn, starting punter, upgrade. Daniel Trejo did an admiral job. That's an upgrade. A.D. Mitchell at wide receiver, obviously an upgrade. An Ayers injury, but uh, A.D. Mitchell's an upgrade. I mean, he's the only player in the program that's played in college football playoffs and a national championship game, to my knowledge. Yep. And caught touchdowns in all of them. Um, Jalen Catalan, starting at safety. Freshman All-American. Maybe the best player on the freaking team if he's healthy this year. Gavin Holmes, two-year starter at Wake Forest, in a competition with a guy that will be a future draft pick at corner one day, right? Trill Carter, he left 500 snaps at Minnesota, and he's going to play a key role for Texas off the bench this year. That, to me, is one of the – Texas has ramped up the the high school recruiting. Yeah, five-ranked class, three-ranked class, because of their patience in recruiting Texas fans. Remember that all the way through December here. But what they've done in the portal has gone up, ascended exponentially. And I think you're going to see it on the field this year. No doubt about it. All right, guys. Well, plenty of time to get those questions in. But before we get to questions, Bobby, happy birthday. <laughs> it's, it's, <laughs> it's all over the chat. I got to bring some of these up. Dax Kilm with the super chat. He says, happy birthday, Bobby. Hook them. UT boy with the big super chat saying good morning family and he wished you a happy birthday as well and I mean they are they are in here everywhere David Williams of course saying since so many others are commenting about your birthday to use coach Sarkeesian's <laughs> word I'd be remiss if I didn't wish you happy birthday also hook them so I was, gonna, I was gonna play the Doby Longhorns fight song but I couldn't <laughs> find it online anywhere <laughs> I think it sounds remarkably like the University of Texas fight song by the way I'll just uh, I'll tell you that. Hey, 54 years young, guys. That's oh. that's how I feel. Sometimes it's hilarious. I, I feel good uh, in the morning and uh, tired by the evening. I think I'm getting to that age. Uh, the one thing I, I, I wrote this article on Inside Texas this morning, guys, and, and what I really feel, um, every year I have the best birthday. August 30th, every year I get the gift of football. Yeah. Like that's, that's just how I feel. I mean, it's like, my wife can get me whatever, but I, I know on Saturday I get football. You know what I mean? And so whether I get a good president or not, I love it. Uh, so uh, I'm ready for it. 
I, I do believe uh, this today. I, congr- happy birthday to your mom, uh, Kevin, as well. I, I just feel like it's the gift of football is around the corner each and every year, and uh, it's a good time uh, to have it. So I, hey, I somebody asked Brett, you, Brett, your mark, mark sent you anything for your birthday. Did you get a card or anything? From the- <laughs> I got a sports. I got a sportsmanship letter. <laughs> you and Sark. <laughs> hey, by the way, what I got for Brett Yormark. Hey, for some perspective, Bobby was forty the last time he predicted Texas to win ten games. <laughs> oh man, that, that that if that weren't so true, it wouldn't be so funny. <laughs> and in the pit of my stomach, bad. Right. I think, hey, let's get to some questions. We had a lot of free time uh, today because not a lot of news breaking, but there's a lot of new, there's a lot of questions in the chat. I think today should be a good chat day um, and try to really get it, get after it a little bit. I, I certainly appreciate all the well wishes too, guys. That's, that's really nice of y'all. And real quick again, I want to thank also William Nish and UT Boy again as they gave some more super chat birthday wishes <laughs> while we were reading all those. So thank you guys. We definitely appreciate it. Okay, guys, let's see here. We're going to start with Joseph Diaz. And Joseph asks, what's the chances that Quinn, Malik, and Arch all throw for a touchdown against Rice? And where can I make that wager? <laughs> I wouldn't know on that, Blake. <laughs> but yeah, Blake, you're the one that plays the apps. You got to tell us. I, you look, you I, can probably I, message me on Inside Texas and I'll tell you where. <laughs> hey, I want to say this real quick, guys, about this. I I do think all three will play. I don't know how much. Like, yeah. is is Quinn – like, I do think that that if Quinn goes out, say, mid-third quarter, late third quarter, don't you think Malik and or Arch, whoever's won the second-team job, should at least get two series yes. and not just one so that whoever it is is ready to go in case there's an injury? And, uh, by the way, and both are ready to go? Both have at least taken snaps in a game and got the nerves, the initial nerves out of the way because Quinn's an injury away from those two guys. Nothing against Charles Wright, but those two guys being your quarterbacks. And then there's going to be a competition on the field in a scenario like that. Yeah, I, I, I'm interested because I think you got to get the backup, at le- the true backup, at least two series against Rice if you can. Otherwise, yeah. you're going into a season – where you don't get that done. Uh, and we saw that, you know, we, we've seen that come back to bite Texas in in, uh, in the past when, I, for example, Colt McCoy's senior year, Texas did not get Garrett Gilbert any action early, you know, and then he's thrust into the national championship game. <laughs> yeah, definitely a worst-case scenario there. All right, yeah. hey, real quick, we got to do a couple more Super Chats, guys. Uh, <laughs> knock these out real quick. Ken Ward says, happy birthday, Bobby. We go 12-1 and one after winning the Big 12 championship game, heading to the college football playoff. No, no Kool-Aid here, just my honest opinion. But we lose to either Bama or a game that we shouldn't. I agree with the game that we shouldn't. What about y'all? I, like, it, it feels like Texas is on the cusp of coming up. Like, the, the trajectory is right. Five and seven, eight and five. They, they, they're going to win nine, ten this year, I think, for sure. My my thought process is somewhere along along there, Texas stubs its toe. The the offense throws some interceptions, fumbles the ball. The defense isn't quite ready for what a team gives them. Y'all y'all think Texas is going to stub its toe at least once in a game that they shouldn't? I mean, that's what history says happens. Well, yeah. I mean, look, um, 
Texas will be should. I mean, depending on what happens at Bama, if Texas looks really good against Bama, even if they walk out of there with a loss, they're going to be favored probably in every game they play. Um, so yeah, if you're favored in a game and you lose, obviously, um, I, I don't see a horrible performance on the road with this team this year. I think if they get beat, they may just get beat. Somebody has a better day. Maybe, like you said, Bobby, maybe it's three turnovers to one that day. Maybe a kid, somebody makes a good play on the ball. It's not necessarily a bad pick, right? A ball off a receiver's shoulder that goes back for six the other way. Things that happen in the game. Um, but, yeah, I mean, I, I'm picking 10 and 2. That's what I'm predicting. And, I mean, look, I, like I said, predictions are before injuries set in, and we really know. Look, we, think about what we know after the first weekend of college football. Zachariah Branch is a stud at USC. Caleb Williams is really good, and USC's defense still may stink comparative to where they need to be. Notre Dame, they played Navy. Uh, they, they upgraded at quarterback. That's pretty much what we know. And Jaden Greathouse has a chance to be a really good player. That's pretty much what we know. Uh, so we don't know a lot going into this year still. Uh, by the way, I was off, asked about uh, Jonte Cook's uh, uh, upside and his ability there by UT Boy. If John Tay Cook's not an NFL draft pick one day, he's either had a lot of injuries or I need to stop doing this. <laughs> That's all I'll say about that. Hey, guys, I need to say thanks to one of our sponsors. The presented by sponsor uh, is now of this coffee and football is Adam Lowy of the Lowy Law Firm. Uh, Adam and his company focus on results for their clients. Uh, if you have been injured on the job or in a uh, wreck, anywhere uh, that you think you may need legal representation, Adam and his group will give you a free consultation. Go, please join them at LoweyLawFirm.com. Visit LoweyLawFirm.com for a free consultation. Adam and his group focus on results. He also sponsors the state of the program. Uh, he actually asked us if he could do more uh, because he's had some results for clients coming off of this show. So uh, we appreciate Adam and his ongoing sponsorship uh, of uh, on Texas football generally but now also of coffee and football. No doubt about it. All right, Bobby, I'm going to knock a couple more of these out for you real quick. The Commodian. Thank you, sir. He says, we share a birthday, Bobby. It's my 50th. Happy birthday, sir. <laughs> Happy birthday to you, Commodian. Uh, by and the way, I'm always going to see that as comedian. <laughs> <laughs> and then uh, let's see here. Damon Graham. He says, happy birthday, Bobby. Thanks for all the great content that you, Jerry, Blake, Rod, Eric, Justin, and everybody else all bring to the table. Great stuff. So thank you guys for the super chats. We definitely appreciate it. Hey, this and, is uh, I, I, this is going to go in my uh, jerky box, by the way. <laughs> this is <laughs> I'm actually going to donate this to Jerry's. Jerry's because he's got to go on the road this week, this coming week for a while. <laughs> I, uh, Bevo Lorian has a great question, I think. All right. Let me uh, let me find it here. Put me on the spot, Jerry. I'm looking. I know. <laughs> he, drives a a really good, he drives a really good car. It's Bevo Lorian at 825 this morning. Uh, that helps. Thank you for the uh, timestamp for sure. I'm looking. I'm looking. I'm looking. Oh, yeah. yeah here we go. I already had it started. I don't know how I missed it. He says, what game do you see the most yards produced against our defense? And what game? Wyoming, do you see us having the most yards produced? Horns are the way. I thought that's a great question because what offense could give Texas defense the most trouble? Um, I think TCU's got players, and that game's on the road. 
I mean, they have receivers. Savion Williams is a projected first, second round pick. John Paul Richardson's a really good player out of the portal. They love the kid out of Arkansas that followed Kendall Bryles to, to Fort Worth. Um, they they have they may not be as strong as running at running back. We'll see what the interior of their offensive line does. But always remember this: that Bryles scheme mass deficiencies in the offensive line about as well as any scheme does. Um, a lot of it will come down to Chandler Morris or Josh Hoover for TCU. Chandler Morris is going to be the the guy that distri- distributes the ball. Josh Hoover's got big arm, down-the-field talent. And I wouldn't be shocked if he didn't eventually take over. Uh, Bobby, anybody else you're really thinking of? I mean – Yeah, I mean, I think that the most yardage um, – I would say Kansas off the top of my head um, just because I think Texas is going to be forced to score more against Kansas, whereas I think they may shut it down potentially against Wyoming after a certain period, right? Um, as far as what who will produce the most against the Texas defense, I'm going to go with somebody like Kansas State if Kansas State can find a receiver. Yeah. Um, because, I, you know, Kansas State, I love their quarterback. I don't think he's Mr. Everything, but I think he's a functional runner. He's smart with a football and a good passer. I worry about them, though, this year throwing the ball. I don't know that he has the receivers that he had last year that he really connected with. So I, I feel like that may be the, the way to look at that. I'm going to make a bold prediction on most offensive yards. Go for it. Texas Tech. You think Texas will have the most on Texas Tech? Wow. If, Texas, wow. if, if Sark has the ability, he's going to throw over the top of your mark a couple of times extra on that game. <laughs> <laughs> All right, well, kind of staying on the theme of this question here, uh, I'm not going to say the whole name because I don't know how to say it. I'm going to say P3 asks, outside of Alabama, where I believe the matchups are pretty even across the board, is there a team left on the schedule where Texas does not have a huge advantage position by position? Um, I don't think they do it at uh... – like Kansas State has good a good secondary, a good quarterback, a good running back, and a good offensive line, and good linebackers. To Kansas me, State, yeah, Kansas State has the best interior offensive line to go against Texas' strength, which is their interior of the defensive line. Right, Cooper Beebe is a uh, first team All American, and after seeing him at the uh, Big Twelve Media Days, he's built like a square. Just so everybody understands, I mean he's. I can see why he's successful. I'll put it that way. Um, uh, very, I, I would say they're the closest talent-wise one deep to Texas. Ben Sinot, the, the H-back Jerry, is the closest thing in the league uh, to JT Sanders as well. To Sean Ward, the running back, rushed for over 1,000 yards in his career at Florida State already. He's the transfer that's taken the place of Deuce Vaughn. Uh Maybe on offense, Kansas competes well with Texas as well. Not just Kansas State, but Kansas. Jaden Daniels, Derek Neal, uh, those receivers they have, all five offensive linemen returning from last year. Yeah, they, They've got a stout group too. Not on defense, though. Kansas yeah. doesn't. So P3 was talking about matchups outside of Alabama. Now let's talk about matchups with Alabama. Colton says, which matchup against Bama do you think favors Texas the most? In his opinion, it's the Texas secondary against the Alabama receivers. I agree. I agree with him. I mean, I I don't think 
Alabama has good receivers, so don't they've got NFL receivers, guys. They just don't have what they had three years ago when they had four first round picks. Right. Um, and so I, I do think that that probably matches up well uh, for Texas. I would say one smaller one might be JT Sanders versus the Alabama linebackers in coverage. I'm interested to see how that plays out because I think getting Sanders involved could really loosen up uh, the Alabama defense in a way that helps Texas run the ball somewhat effectively against Alabama. That that might be something to watch. Yeah, I was going to say uh, if you can get the Alabama linebackers in coverage. That's that's JT Sanders. That's JT Sanders. That's what you're hitting on. I mean, if you can get the Bama linebackers in coverage, I think that those are situations where Texas can uh, has a it has an advantage. I'll, and then you also say if you can get the running backs in space in the receiving game against the Alabama linebackers. Though I think those, I think you could see Sark clear out a lot of stuff, protect his offensive line, be part of his game plan. All right. Damon Graham wants to talk rice, so let's do that. He says, what do you guys think will constitute a successful game outside of a win? Would it be no points scored against, no three and outs, et cetera? I'll go number one, and I'll let Bobby go after that. No serious injuries. Headed into Bama. Boy, that's pretty good. And a healthy team is pretty hard to beat. Um, I don't. I, I would say the thing that I am looking for, and I, it's hard to describe this, Damon, unless you see it. I want to see a crisp team. Yeah. I want to see an offense that executes, no stupid mistakes. The ball doesn't hit the ground on passing passing situations when it shouldn't. The team looks. Uh, they execute at a high level defense. I want to see a team that looks like they can get after the passer a little bit, but still be solid against the run and get off the field on third down. They have to get off the field on third down. Okay, guys, Uh, let's see here. Brandon Huey talking about rice a little bit more says, how much of the playbook do you show against rice with Bama looming in the next week? I think I think you show enough in the run game to force Nick Saban to respect it. Yeah, he's gonna he's gonna try to knock Quinn out of that game next in two weeks. If you don't think that's coming, you're just wrong. He's had success. He's had a lot of success knocking the last two quarterbacks he's faced out of the game. Yeah. If you don't think that's coming, and he's not going to blitz the you know what out of Quinn Ewers, I don't know what to tell you. Um, there's not a better scenario for Nick Saban than a freshman quarterback that's never played having to play in Tuscaloosa at night, at night, not prepping as the number one guy. Yeah, I, I agree. Um, how much do, of the playbook do you show though, Jerry? I think you definitely show enough. Um, but I, I, I certainly don't think you open it up, so to speak. No. I think you're trying to, you're trying to get going and trying to get the, an understanding of who you are on offense and, and whatnot. That's really in my opinion, at least, uh, where they start. Hey, uh, guys, I want to say thank you to our sponsor, uh, overall sponsor for this show. It's Game Time. Uh, Game Time uh, is a app uh, that I want to introduce you guys to. Uh, it's the fastest growing ticket app in the country, and for good reason. You can get images of your seat before you actually buy the tickets, so you know exactly what to expect when you're, you arrive. They literally give you seat-specific views of the stadium. 
Game time is the fast and easy way to buy tickets for all the sports, music, comedy, and theater events near you. I've personally used game time for sporting events and concerts. If you need last minute tickets, there's really, really no better place. Tickets are sent directly to your phone, so you never have to dig through emails. Download the Game Time app today, create an account, and use code ONTEXAS for $20 off your first purchase. Terms apply. Again, create an account and redeem code ONTEXAS for $20 off. Download Game Time today. Last-minute tickets, lowest price, guaranteed. They've already got Alabama tickets up and going uh, for those of you interested. Yep. And I've actually been using game time for about a year now. It's great if you can wait till the last minute and you can get some amazing deals for sure. So, all right. Super chat here from Justin Dobbins, guys. He says, if nobody watches Big 12 football starting in 2024 going forward, was any Big 12 football actually played? <laughs> well, I got a question. Is Brett Yormark actually going to watch Big 12 football in 2024 or is he just going to be basketball focused? I great think question. I think Mark. basketball Brett's turning the page. Look, I mean, I, I I have I'm one of those guys I don't have I don't wish ill will on all of those teams. At the same time, I don't really have much for them. I'm not I don't like I think that you just gotta kind of shrug it off. And that's why Sark and and even Del Conte have used this term embrace the hate. And embrace it while it is. If they still hate you and you're not even in the conference anymore, what's the value? I mean, does Texas really hate Baylor in 2024 when they're not going to play him in football or basketball or any sport, really? Just tech. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but, but even then, I don't right. even think they will then. Okay. I mean, I think they're yeah. been an afterthought. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I'm not trying to be rude to. Yeah. Exactly. Lubbock's not really close to Austin. No. You know, and, and it's not a major media market that can get all of a sudden attract all this demand, this major attention. So it's just different. I, I think that uh, fans in 2024 aren't going to be thinking about the Big 12 at all. You know, frankly, Aggies don't think much about the Big 12 right now because they're in the SEC. They think about Texas and OU maybe a little bit, but they don't think about the Big 12. What's left in the Big 12 when Texas leaves? Texas isn't. Texas never really thought about TCU, you know, until recently. Baylor until Art Bryles, maybe. So maybe when they're good, other teams are good, you'll think about them. But overall, I just don't see it. Well, we have some uh, player-specific questions coming in, so let's get to some of those. Cameron McCardle says, what's the story on Will Stone battling to become starter on field goals? Is Auburn just more consistent? I, I think that's a great question. So I, I don't know if Bobby's heard something. We haven't talked about it in a couple of days, but I think what we're hearing is Auburn is your – Short the medium field goal kicker. Will Stone could be your 50-plus yard field goal kicker. Bigger leg. Uh, got, really improved his leg strength. Uh, like Jeff Banks has per, said, they want to get him, Stone, to go from 25% touchbacks to 50% touchbacks. That's a big jump. That means you have confidence your guy has a lot stronger leg in year two. So I think that's – it's maybe not a competition – but maybe now they have two different guys they can go to situationally kicking field goals. But I think Bert Auburn is uh, his consistency for a short uh, and medium gets him the nod. Uh, but if there's a 55 uh, yarder uh, needed to be kicked at the end of a half, I think you might see Will Stone trot out there, Bobby. Uh, you know, I was talking to Brian Irwin, Coach Brian Irwin, uh, Blake and Jerry on Monday at the lunch with the coach. 
he said that right now you'd take what what uh Bert Auburn produced last year, 80% on field goals, 55 of 55 on PATs. If you got that again from Bert Auburn and said that's what he's going to do this year, you'd take that and go to the house, right? So I think yeah. that's the first part of it. So what what is Will Stone battling against? He's battling against a proven kicker inside 50. Yeah. To Jerry's point about the long field goals. The one thing that needs to be said also, though, uh, is that Will Stone – uh, apparently getting more distance on his kickoffs. That's something that uh, he really worked on in the offseason. He's actually bulked up a little bit, which you don't yeah. really think about for kickers, uh, but hopefully that adds a yard or two uh, to his touchbacks. Rod Babers uh, mentioned to us that just one or two more yards on his kickoffs could be the difference between a touchback and not because he was kicking, I think, averaging to the uh, just about to the two-yard line last year. More deep kicks like that fewer returns. All right. This next question is from Shavan Patel and he says, good morning. How much of a role will Ryan Niblett play this year? That's a great question. Um, I, I, I had an article at inside Texas yesterday, kind of took taking a look at the 2023 class, the true freshman class. And I put him in may play, you know, look, he, he's, he's exceeded expectations early on. I don't think there's any doubt about that. He came in raw as a wide receiver. People that don't know his backstory at Eisenhower, he played quarterback, receiver, tailback, punter, punt returner, kickoff returner. He was a true jack-of-all-trades for a team that he had to be. Uh, they didn't have a quarterback to really that had that close-to-D1-level arm to where he was coming in and out of cuts, catching footballs from – with velocity that he would see on a D1 level. So he came in raw as a route runner and raw as a college receiver at the Power 5 level. And I said all that to say this, Bobby, we've been hearing for a while that Niblet has – he's exceeded expectations. One, he's explosive, arguably the most explosive receiver uh, in the program. And for people that are arguing that, dude, the guy was running 10-4 as a junior before he, he got hurt and missed his whole uh, senior season on the track and was long jump qualifier – at state. I mean, he can really go. But it's the tenacity, it's the physicalness, it's the competitiveness for the ball that Steve Sarkeesian's mentioned before, Bobby. I I love guys that play multiple sports and multiple positions in high school. I'm just going to put that out there. Jelani McDonald, another guy, right? That uh, you think back to it. Uh, you know, guys that could do a lot of different things and then they don't necessarily have the highest expectations, right? Because they're not the five stars or whatever. I, I'm i a big fan of multi-sport guys that exceed or succeed in multiple sports at a high level. Something about them, whether they're winners. I mean, think back to the great players that can do that. They all, they they just good at whatever they do. I think Ryan Niblett is a more powerful athlete maybe than what some are going to see. Um, I don't know, you know, Jerry, people say he's, he's quick and all this other stuff. I don't know that he's Jalen Waddle quick. No, he's not. That's, he's that's not. a different category, but he's that similar style of player. He's, he's smaller, but he's not tiny. He's like, He's pretty well filled out. He's, a, he's an interesting interesting player. And follow up to that, Ryan, Ryan Nelson said he was a consensus top 100 guy, not shocking he's showing out, special athlete. Yeah, he's a special athlete, but he wasn't an early enrollee. 
and he came in very raw at the position. He what he's showing is the ability to learn and take it to the field uh, quickly. So, Jonte Cook, DeAndre Moore, those guys were in for the spring. There's a big difference. And then he didn't even have his spring on the track. He was injured, so he really didn't even work out for a while. Uh, we're going to do one more player-specific question, then we'll switch gears for a little bit. Brandon Huey says, does LaFowl have a chance for a lot of significant playing time this year? Well, I think Maurice Blackwell going out may have helped that. Yeah. for Especially earlier. I think he'll get into the Rice game earlier than he otherwise would have. Agreed. That, now, will he have playing significant playing time all year? I don't know that. And I think it depends on further injury. And the reason I'll say that, I think he's somewhat situated similarly to what we saw uh, from uh, Ethan Burke last year. Ethan Burke played in a couple of the non-conference games, didn't play a lot during the regular season, kind of played a little bit more as the year went on. That's what I see LaFowle's trajectory, Brandon, if that makes sense. Okay, guys, we're going to do something completely different here. Interesting question from Kevin Nye. He says, imagine if Florida State, Miami, and Clemson join the SEC. Do you think that's a possibility? It's a great question because that this is the next piece of all this. Well, would they take Miami? Florida doesn't want Miami in the yeah. SEC. Yeah, I don't think – I. well, they don't deliver the market is the problem. Right. right. Um, Florida and Florida State deliver the Miami market from a college Correct. football perspective. That being said, Miami is a uh, you know tr- tremendous venue for college football with the history of the Orange Bowl, et cetera, down there. Um, but Miami just doesn't have the passionate fan base that that a Mi- that Clemson and Florida State do. I will say, of all the teams out there that would have the possibility, it would be uh, Clemson, Florida State, and then I think tech, I think they really want North Carolina and Duke. And Duke or North Carolina, I don't know. Football comes first. So North Carolina still has good good football. And then maybe Virginia or Virginia Tech, something like that. But I think Virginia and Virginia Tech are tied at the yeah, tied at the hip. So we have a super chat here from Ran Rodriguez, LFC. I want to thank you, Ran. He says, Did something happen yesterday with Oklahoma and McKinley? Some of the Oklahoma insiders are saying it's an Oklahoma versus AM battle for McKinley. Jerry, I know you touched on this at the beginning, but what do you got? McKinley and his family were in contact with Texas yesterday. So I I Texas has not been informed. They're out. Um, I, I think the communication continues. So I think uh, all three of those schools remain in the race ahead of his Friday decision. Uh, but I, I still say uh, closer to home is going to win out. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Seeking the truth never gets old. Introducing June's Journey, the free-to-play mobile game that will immerse you in a thrilling murder mystery. Join June Parker as she uncovers hidden objects and clues to solve her sister's death in a beautifully illustrated world set in the roaring 20s. With new chapters added every week, the excitement never ends. 
Download June's Journey now on your Android or iOS device, or play on PC through Facebook games. There you go. All right, Bobby, this hey, by the way, closest to home for him, if it's not LSU, is A&M. If it's that big a factor, Jerry, like you've been saying, Lafayette's closer to, to College Station than it is Austin or uh, Norman. Very good point. All right, Bobby, this next one's for you. Do a little promo here. Drew asks, Bobby, can you tell us more about the show on Friday at the co-op? Is this a recurring thing, and is it an in-person event? It is an in-person event, um, and it is a recurring thing. So every Friday... Uh, when Texas has a home game, except for the Texas Tech game, which is on a Friday. Um, myself, Jerry, Rod Babers, some of us will be there. Some of us won't. I mean, Jerry's going to have to be on the road for uh, high school games. We'll be at the co-op from three to four hosting our Longhorn live stream that we do on Friday afternoons. We used to do them on from one to two. We're moving them to three to four. The co-op has a happy hour every Friday. So please come out and join us. Uh, that reminds me, guys, I need to mention that the co-op uh, actually has an event coming up tomorrow. And I want to uh, mention this. Uh, they want you to join the university co-op for a football athletes meet and greet event in partnership with the Texas One Fund. That's the NIL group uh, for, that the University of Texas endorses. Football athletes will be at the co-op meeting with fans, signing autographs and taking pictures from six to seven tomorrow night. Uh, players like Kelvin Banks. Jade Barron, Jalen Ford, Byron Murphy, JT Sanders, Tavondre Sweat, Jordan Whittington. They'll all be out there uh, doing this. Uh, we think Xavier Worthy also may be out there. They're waiting on to hear back from him. Uh, but every penny of profit will directly benefit Longhorn students. Uh, the suggested donation for this Longhorn meet and greet is, and uh, autograph session is just $10. So if you're in Austin, have a chance and want to go out and meet some of the players, Tomorrow from 6 to 7. Make sure you go out and do that and support a great cause. No doubt about it. All right, going back to McKinley for a second. Uh, Stephen Houston says, if Texas doesn't get McKinley, though, is it another big-time D-line whiff from Bo Davis? It just contributes to the notion he's not a good recruiter. Uh, Jerry, I already see you shaking in your head. And that is a narrative going around lately. I'm going to go ahead and let you jump on it, Jerry. Well, I mean, does that mean Steve Sarkeesian's not? Because he's been in contact every day with McKinley and the family. And people go, it's a dangerous rabbit hole to go down, Texas fans. That's all I'll tell you. Because, hey, these five-star recruitments, it's head coach. It's this, the whole staff recruiting these guys. So that's a dangerous rabbit hole to go down to. If Sark's been talking to the family every day and Bo's been talking to the family every day, then one guy just can't be the bad guy. It doesn't work that way. <laughs> dangerous I, rabbit I, hole. I, I, Look, they, he beat he beat Georgia and A and M for Sadir Mitchell last year, from for a guy from New Jersey. Went to Orlando and beat Dante, Florida. Dante, I mean, yeah, I mean, come on. You, you, people just don't understand. Defensive line is one of the premium positions in college football because every head coach, every head coach, knows that they have a chance if they have a good defensive line. Yeah. So. It's not like, oh, well, I like this quarterback over this quarterback, or I like this wide receiver over this wide receiver. Defensive line, it's pretty much the same group of guys for everybody. That, that, that's what I would say. So I, I don't, I just think that defensive line is probably the most heavily and highly contested recruiting there is outside of maybe a, a few five stars at certain positions. That's what, that's what people are feeling 
and you're going to miss them more. This is the way it is. No doubt about it. All right. Uh, by the way, oh, by way I want to say this because uh, people are still um, saying a question in Bo Davis's recruiter. People do realize that Nick Saban's tried to hire him away since he's been at Texas. I mean, I don't know what to say other than that to people. <laughs> Billy Napier tried to hire him away. LSU wanted to hire him away last year. I don't know what else to tell people, man. I I, I don't know. I mean, those are all, I mean, it's a couple of Hall of Fame coaches. Nick's tried to bring him back again. I don't know else what I don't know what else to say. <laughs> I think well, you just divulge. I think you just put put that out there, and I, and I agree. I mean. Look, Sark has done a, and this goes to continuity generally on the Texas staff. I, I, this is one of the reasons why I'm so high on this team, guys. The coaches have been together. A defensive staff has been fully intact for three years. They're going to know each. Before that, only one of the other coaches had worked with Pete Kwiatkowski in his entire career. They're going to get better. They're working. At, and I went back this and I talked about this on Austin radio this morning um, with uh, Rod Babers and Aaron Hogan. You go back guys, Pete Kwiatkowski in the preseason press conference, uh, Blake and, and Jerry, he talked about four things, turnovers, sacks, improvement on third down and fourth down. When a defensive coach comes out and tells you that's what he's focusing on. Think what Pete Kwiatkowski was focusing on last year. Just having a good defense, just playing solid, consistent defense, right? He's now able to focus on certain pieces. I think Bo Davis is a big part of that, that entire defensive staff part of it. Uh, and I think that Bo Davis is more than an adequate recruiter. I, I, so I, I just want to put this in perspective again. Um, does that mean Chris Jackson's already a bad recruiter, Texas fans? Be careful. Yeah, it doesn't just be be work that way. Be, care, be careful. I mean, you know that that those are those are tough rabbit holes to go down to. I think UT's boy is agreeing with you, Jerry. He put in a super chat, says Jerry, wink, and then a hug on. So he he's with you. All right, well, let's talk this other recruiting question here from James Follett. He says, "Is there a region of the country that Sark really wants to break into for recruiting? Somewhere we've consistently lost battles that maybe we shouldn't have." I've always thought. Well, I'm glad that they're going after Ryan Wingo, obviously five star receiver. I would love to see him recruit St. Louis more, Bobby. I just think those kids are SEC mind minded now. Oklahoma had a lot of success when they were more Big Twelve minded kids. Those kids want to play in the SEC. It's obvious from those top recruitments. I mean, just look at Ryan Wingo, Missouri, Texas, Tennessee, Georgia, right? Michigan's the outlier. I don't think he's going to Michigan. Uh, Williams, Lornary, what did it come down to? Missouri, Oklahoma, Georgia, right? Those kids want to go to the SEC, and there are some really hidden gems there as well. I mean, I think that's a good area to evaluate. I, I'll tell you the other area for me, Bobby, is – it's a different, it's a different area of Florida. Like Texas has done well in Orlando. I would love to see him get into Tampa more. I and 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 they obviously IMG's brain tip, but that you kind of throw that one out. I think there's so much talent in the Tampa area. And those kids go to Auburn. They go to Tennessee, 
So a lot of those kids will leave the state in that Tampa area. It's an area that a lot of people have moved to. So they're not naturally Floridian kids. So you look, those are two areas for me that Texas isn't hitting as hard right now. I'd like to see him hit harder. Yeah, I think he, I think he's broken into, um, he's already broken into uh, Orlando. You mentioned, I think he's done so in Phoenix. Yeah. Christian Clark and Santana Wilson, for example. Right. Um, and so I, the, the one that obviously in Texas that has been big has been I-20. He's done well there. I'm going to bring up Fort Bend. That's a great one. Down in Houston. Um, great one in Texas, yep. That's a that that west side of Houston is is supremely talented and Texas has not uh done particularly well in the last really decade. Um and so I that's the area Fort Bend Marshall, uh Katie even to a degree. Those kind of schools have a lot of talent and Texas has not done particularly well over there. All right, Jerry, this one uh, is a super chat from UT Boy. I'll bring the super chat portion up here in a second. But he says, Jerry Hamilton, speak on John Tay's potential. Yeah, I see him as a guy who he's put in work with margin hooks. And so it's one thing to have John Tay's talent. It's another thing to realize who can help you get there quicker. And whether it was John Tay or his father or his family or UT Boy or whoever, they got him with the right guy in Dallas to get him ready to play college football from day one. Then Jonte takes football serious. He's an early enrollee. So I'm. So here's the thing. It's, people just look at the, the talent and the ranking, but he's doing things that show you he wants to maximize his talent at a young age. Those are the things I look for. So a kid of Jonte's talent, if he maximizes it, you know, is that a late first round? Is that second? Is that third round NFL draft pick? That's going to be decided on the field for Jonte. Um if he catches the football consistently in the traffic areas, then I, I think the sky's the limit for him as a, as a receiver because I know he's putting in the work. He's a highly ranked guy that's not letting that ranking go to his head. He's putting in the work. Can we have another super chat, guys, from Brandon Huey? He says, how can I hang with you guys Saturday? I'm bringing my seven-year-old to his first game. My newborn can't come, says the Y. <laughs> or do you have any recommendations? Um, so we'll be out and about, uh, actually the thing that I would say to you is take, if you have a young guy and, and Blake, you've been here before with yours, um, Bevo Boulevard has like a little fair section just to the North end zone uh, across from the Julius Whittier statue and the, the, the formal entrance, uh, to that. That is a great place for young kids. In my opinion, game pregame. I mean, you can go over there two hours before, you know, ride a little ride. There's like three or four little rides. That That's fun if you have young kids, you know. Um, that would be one thing. The other thing is we're hosting a watch with us uh, on Saturdays during the game. So Aaron Hogan, the the, the uh, co-host of uh, the Horn FM, on this channel on, on Texas football, if you're at home and want to turn down the TV and watch uh, some commentary – uh, not only my, not only myself, I think Jerry will be on, Rod, uh, Eric. Uh, we're all going to be on talking a little Texas football during the game. So uh, join us that way as well. And if you do take your kids, that opens up at 10 a.m. on Saturday. Uh, Bevo's arrivals at 1130 with the Bevo Parade. And then Sark and the team arrive at 1215. So lots of stuff going on there. 
And then Tyler Large, I kind of on the same note, he says, my daughter's birthday party is Saturday at three. Do I play sick or turn my phone off and record? All jokes, hook them from Tulsa. <laughs> I don't know how to play that. I've had to watch an OU game during a, a kid's soccer game before. <laughs> my son's soccer, like nine-year-old soccer game. That, that was really, really hard. I, I'm like looking up, looking down, looking up. I had the ESPN app. That's well, that's and, that's the only way I can tell you, Tyler. You're going to have a hard time getting away with that, though, if it, if you're inside. <laughs> I was at least outside, and my son was running around separately. So it's a little bit different. <laughs> well, and I was telling y'all yesterday, my son has a uh, baseball tournament at the during the Alabama game. So oh, I'm going to have wow. to be figuring out the kind of the same thing there. So, hey, hey Blake, this is how it's going to go. You're going to be watching the game doing this. <laughs> <laughs> Pretty much. Pretty much. <laughs> All right, guys, East 8th asks, we haven't seen much of a four vertical concept from Sark, even though it's in the playbook. Any chance that becomes one of our emphasized concepts this year with Whittington and Sanders having option rounds? I think that that's, that's definitely one. Um, talk, talking to Rod Babers has been kind of educational uh, over the last couple of weeks for me. Um, and I want to say this because he really harps on one thing with Sark uh, and his lack of uh, – success against the three high safety look that's become so popular. Uh, TCU runs it now. Iowa state historically has been a forerunner of it. Yes. Um, and that kind of takes away the four verticals a little bit. Yes. You still, somebody's going to be open, but it's kind of hard to compete against that. You have to have a power run game that actually keeps the safeties back to make it all work. Um, It'll be interesting to see exactly how much they go to that. I think East 8th, it'll be against certain teams. And a lot of those teams will be teams that they don't think they can that can get home against them in the pass rush and are playing the single high or cover two as opposed to the three high safety. That's That's my take on it. And speaking of Sanders, Brandon Huey says, I think JT Sanders will have six to eight receptions and a touchdown against Bama. What say you guys? Jerry, that's for you, man. <laughs> um, I'm going to say yes to both, but that's not a score prediction for the game necessarily. I think I've already kind of thrown one out there. I'm going to say yes to both because that that means that Sarkeesian's attacking areas successfully he wants to going into the game, I believe. And that is the Alabama linebackers, and that's a favorable matchup for Sanders and creating space for Sanders. So I'm going to go yes to both. I'm going to go six receptions and a touchdown. Well, speaking of score predictions, our friend Derek Wisner says, good morning. Have you guys released your score predictions for the Rice game? We have not, but I am I was thinking about that. So USC scored, what, 66 last year with a clock that stopped on first downs. I think they had two or three pick sixes in that game. I'd have to look back. Somebody will know that on the on the chat. Um, but um, – uh, you know, I'll, I'm thinking, I'm thinking 56, 13 ish. I don't think Rice scores that much. I, I think I predicted 49 to seven. I, I think I think Texas is going to score some touchdowns. I think Rice is going to get one. Uh, Jerry, the one thing that you said that I, I agree with, I'm looking for a special teams or defensive touchdown at some point during this game. Keep an eye on that, Derek, and hopefully Trey. Weisner is part of that, by the way. 
There you go. All right, we got this. Hey, Trey Weiser, he's turned some heads on special teams. Super chat here, guys, from Eric76. He says, if Texas wins the Big 12 and beats Alabama and another SEC school or Big 10 school in the playoffs but doesn't win the national championship, where will we rank in the SEC hierarchy next year? Totally different team. Totally different team. And I've seen some questions. Hey, is it David Williams asked, for example, like uh, if can Texas upgrade it? Jaron Thompson and all these next season. I think it all depends on uh, the portal in that regard. I know what the high school players look like or the ones that are already on campus now and where they could plug in. But Sark, to Jerry's point earlier, he added five contributors in the portal. If you can do that every year, you really don't know. I mean, that's a quarter of your starters. You don't know really what your team's going to look like. So I think it's too early. Uh, to say that, uh, I do know that that uh, I want Texas to go out like they came in to the Big 12, and that's as conference champions. And you do that, then you go in with an edge going into the SEC. It gives you a bump in recruiting. Maybe you get one or two players in the 2024 class that you wouldn't have gotten otherwise, but then you're ready to ready to really roll in the 2025 class in recruiting. So all of that uh, combined, Eric, is what you're – that's the goal, in my opinion take something forward and be going in with momentum and not going backwards with going backwards into that conference. Uh, on the hierarchy. Um, I think that's an interesting question. I, I think what Bama does this year on the field is going to factor in. And I think what LSU does on the field this year is going to factor in. It's like, well, people are going to look at the sec going in the next year, kind of how are they going to rank these teams? Um, I think right now Texas goes in behind Georgia, Alabama, LSU, for sure. So where is it after this year? We'll see. Because, I mean, obviously Nick Saban's over 70 years old, right? Um, And then LSU in year two under Brian Kelly, he had a great year one. I don't care what anybody says. I don't care if he lost A&M. He had a great year one. He beat Bama and got to the SEC title game. So those are three schools that are going to be ahead of Texas as of right now in the hierarchy. And then then while we're on the subject of beating Alabama, Boomer beats with the Super Chat. Thank you, Boomer. He says, if we beat Alabama, how crazy does Austin get? (laughs) I I think it's going to be a party on the drag. That's what I think. Uh, You don't want to be on 6th Street that night, probably. Um, The the expectations of Texas, I I think that the bigger piece isn't so much how how crazy Austin gets that individual night because it's going to be – what is said on college game day? What's said in the national media during the week? Texas is back, yada, yada. That's what, that's going to be the meme, basically, right? Uh, the question, though, is, you know, Texas has to stay. If that happens, Texas has to stay focused on the goal at hand. They can't get over their skis. Uh, that's what happened, frankly, to Charlie Strong, when the team beat Notre Dame. Big win, huge win, right, for Charlie Strong. And then it all went south because they didn't stay focused, uh, had a couple bad beats. That's what can't happen. Uh, But even if it does get crazy, Boomer. 
Okay, we have a question here, guys, from Doug O'Neill. And he says, hey, guys, thanks for the awesome content. Any advice for local Central Texas high school players playing for schools struggling to compete consistently that want to stand out to recruiters? That, I mean, look, that's all a, the game of huddle these days and getting your huddle highlights out on social media. Um, you know, we've said before that YouTube changed the game in recruiting. Um, and I don't think a program has been hurt more than that than Virginia Tech. Because Virginia Tech, Beamer used to get hide those guys in Virginia and sign them. And then you'd say, whoa, whoa, where's this guy? Where'd this guy come from? He's going to be a first or second round pick. Those days are over. So you have to be able to use social media. And Huddle is one of the great inventions in our time in this business. So you have to use Huddle. Start at Huddle, go to social media, and that social media is still Twitter and Instagram uh, for getting that stuff out for college coaches. It's not Snapchat. It's not anything like that. It's it's still your main two social media places where all the college coaches uh, follow and in-house recruiting guys are looking for uh, anybody they can find uh, at this point that can play. So that's the that's the advice I'd give you. Let me say this, too, that the, the – the process, if you email the director of player personnel at every school, name, height, weight, position, and a link to his huddle, what will happen is he'll probably send you a thank you note, but he will immediately forward that email to a younger evaluator that will then evaluate. And if he thinks that it's somebody his boss needs to see, he'll elevate it. And that guy will elevate it to the next guy until your son actually becomes someone they're interested in. Look for the player personnel guy to Jerry's point, attach his huddle and go from there. Okay, you guys, we got a question here from JD hack. He says, Bobby, Jerry, I have real concerns about what happens. If viewers a isn't connecting throws and B his health. If, if a large player like Bama gets a big hit, do y'all think yours makes it through the entire season? Well, he's not built like Sam Ellinger. That's for sure. So the, the likelihood he makes it through an entire season, I would say 80 to 85%, um, because he's just, he's not built like, like, uh, to take that kind of pounding. That being said, I do worry if he isn't connecting. I, I've said this, this is my number one concern about the team overall is, is Quinn Ewers going to be a 60 to 65% passer this year? Or is he going to be a 70 to 75% passer this year? If he's a 70 to 75% passer this year, Texas is going to win a lot of football games. A lot. If he's 60 to 65, they're still going to win a lot of football games. Not quite as many. I that Steve Sarkeesian says it's the most important position in football. I agree with him. And I think that stat alone will tell a lot, as well as whether or not Quinn actually grows into the position of leadership and is leading by example on the field by completing 70 to 75%, you're actually showing leadership. You're performing. And that's what people follow. That's what teammates will follow. Okay. Let's see here, guys. Uh, Jose Rodriguez says, Jerry and Bobby, can Sark maintain the roster with, without many departures after a good season? What do you think was the key this past offseason success other than a deep personal relationship coach to player? I think NIL had a had a uh, strong uh, Im impact on that. Um, Texas players 
and the Texas One Fund in particular have done a tremendous job along some uh, key uh, donors making that possible and uh, what have you. There's no doubt that uh, some guys decided to return uh, or choose Texas eventually, I think, because they knew NIL opportunities at Texas would be higher uh, than elsewhere. So I, I feel that's been a part of it. Uh, what does he need to do this year? And can he do it? Um, let's see. I, they're going to graduate heavily this year to the NFL. And Jerry and I have talked about this. That being the case, a lot of these younger guys are going to be looking at it and saying, okay, now I have a chance to start. You know, if you have eight to 10 guys going, that means you're going to have 12 to 15 guys thinking that they have a real chance to start at their position. And so they're not going to be looking elsewhere. They're going to be focused on trying to win that role uh, if they can, because they know at Texas, the NIL will be there if they are a starter. So it's, it's a little bit of a, a little bit of a, a symbiotic relationship there. Uh, we got a super chat here from Kabir Hussein. He says, does a under 10 win season hurt future recruiting? Jerry? Under 10, uh, eight and four, possibly. That, that's not really ascending. If you're nine and three, you have an exciting brand of football. Um, you have guys, seven, eight, nine guys drafted after this season. You got to remember, I mean, look, that's still ascending. The recruits look at this different than the fans. Uh, if you went nine and three, won a bowl game, went 10 and three, and you had eight guys drafted and you finished the season ranked 10, 11 in the country, then recruits are going to look at that and parents are going to look at that and say, all right, this guy's developing talent. The program's getting better. They're getting guys drafted. So, but there's, it's amazing how one win is a difference. Hey, I want to say this guys, what I think is ascending is not playing in the Alamo bowl. Mm -hmm. Think about it that way. They need a higher profile game. That would be ascending. Yeah. So whether it's nine and three in the regular season, 10 and two, whatever the number is, the final record needs to be nine, 10 wins at least, in my opinion, uh, or it will hurt recruiting, even with eight to 10 draft picks. You mentioned the Alamo Bowl. Colton wants to know, have you bought your Alamo Bowl tickets yet? <laughs> McMurphy has us headed back to San Antonio. What's y'all's thoughts on that? Who's McMurphy? Uh, Brett McMurphy. from. No, you know, I wouldn't know. Yeah, he's the Action Network guy that is uh, – I was I was, I was joking. He's constantly <laughs> with an Ohio State assistant coach in right. a somewhat yeah. immature way. I, I, I don't know um, – I don't know the uh, what he did or didn't do it, but I definitely haven't bought Alamo Bowl, Alamo Bowl tickets. <laughs> All right, Jerry, we've got a recruiting question from you from Tata Pair 1. And he says, do we see the return of the Mac or Dale Mac who committed to Florida flip to Texas after his visit? I think things look, play out longer than that. I mean, he's going to be at LSU game this year. He'll be at, scheduled to be at Florida State for the Miami game. Uh, he'll get back to the swamp at some point. I think this one will go for a while. Um, it, it, could he decommit or something? I haven't heard that. But I think this recruitment's going to go all the way to December or right up close to it. And then we'll do a couple more recruiting questions, go back to a couple of team questions, guys, then we better wrap it up. Trevor Phillips says, is the wide receiver out of California that recently re-engaged with Texas, Oregon commit, I think, still in play? Uh, Jordan Anderson uh, out of Newport Beach, uh, really terrible place to be on a daily basis. Um, <laughs> terrible place to play Friday night football. The weather is just so hot. 
Um, but uh, yeah, I think, look, he reengaged Texas, and we've had a discussion about this. We have not heard of official visit date being set up yet. We're continuing to monitor that. To me, what's so interesting about Jordan Anderson is he's been committed to Oregon for a while. Texas tried to get him to visit in June. Didn't really get him on campus. Then Oregon's announced they're going to the Big Ten. And now he wants to visit. I, I, I think in re-engage Texas, I think that's an interesting point in this recruitment a little bit. I, I, I'm not sure all SoCal guys love the idea of playing in the Big Ten and traveling to the Big Ten if they can stay in the South and play football. Just something to note. Even if he signs with Oregon, where some kid, a few kids' heads are going to be at in future years in SoCal and recruiting. The Big Ten's not where it's at. No. It's not a destination for Southern Not California. for those guys. Not for those guys. Not maybe if you're at USC or UCLA, but not anywhere else. Right. I will do one more recruiting question here. This one from David Williams. He says, Jerry, is it practical for UT to continue going hard after each of Simmons, Zena, and Okoye? I realize that Umazulu's brother is at UT, but I like Okoye more. To me, he's like Joseph Asai. Um, yeah, I mean, I, absolutely. Do I think Texas gets both of those guys? That odds are against it. Um, and then there's also Solomon Williams, uh, who's out there as well, who's a little bit of a different player. I think if Texas walked away with two of those guys, they, they consider Simmons plus two guys, they consider it a really big win. Um, but if they get Simmons in one of those three, I mean, that's you're kind of playing the odds there, right? But Danny Okoye, I don't know if Osai if, if, is who he reminds me. I think Danny Okoye is going to be 6'5", 260, 265-pound guy uh, that's going to be more of an edge player than a guy that also can play in space. Um, he's a hell of an athlete, uh, but I'm, I, I think he's a little different than Osai. I'm thinking more – I think Okoye – I was trying to think a long-term – uh, maybe a twitchier Alex Okafor, long way down the line, seven eight years down the line. Not quite as long armed as Alex, though. Yeah. I got two more questions here, and this one is from Alry, and he says, "Happy birthday, Bobby, gents! Who are your sleeper predictions for most improved or breakout players on either offense or defense?" That's a great question, Bobby. Who you got? Most improved, I'm going to go, man, I'll go with Xavier Worthy year over year. And not necessarily that he's improved as much as I think he's going to be more consistent. Um, and then on defense, most improved, Byron Murphy. Probably, I think he's going to be more productive uh, this year based on some things I've heard. Um, breakout or sleeper predictions, You know, Neto on offense, Neto Umiozulu, I think, is a, is a sleeper of sorts. Uh, I just think that he's going to find his way into some games. And if there are injuries this year, which Texas was lucky to not have any last year, he may, may see himself playing pretty early uh, and often. On defense, I'd say Jaron Thompson, guys. I mean, he's getting overlooked by Jalen Catalan, but Jalen Jaron got his hands on some interceptions, on some balls last year that he should have had. If he can turn those two or three interceptions, I think he, he's a little bit of a sleeper. People don't realize he's been a three-year starter. Um, I, I'm going to go – my answers are going to be geared towards Texas maximizing on the field this year. If the Most improved on offense, Quinn Ewers in year two. Um, most improved on defense, I, look, 
I hate to do it. I don't have the sunglasses, but you know what smart people to do. But if Alfred Collins makes a big jump, you know, guys, Quinn in year two, Alfred Collins, those guys change your team if they come close to maximizing their talent. That's just, to me, the reality of it. Uh, breakout player on offense, that's, that's DJ Campbell for me. Uh, and I agree with Bobby on Neto. Uh, I think DJ, uh, breakout player on defense, that's a little tougher one for me. Um, how about Ethan Burke? There you go. Good one. If those four guys have really good seasons, I think Texas is going to have a great, potentially great season. All right, last question for today, guys. Ken Ward asks, which of the late evals from the last great class question. are going to make an impact this season? It's a great question. What you got, Bobby? Um, Late evals, really, there weren't that many, were there? Jelani um, McDonald, Warren Roberson. McDonald's going to play on special teams. Yeah. Now, what constitutes a late eval? Because – Here's the thing. DeAndre Moore, Texas really liked him. Was that a late, was that a senior, more senior year eval that where he became a guy we feel like we need to get this guy versus we really like this guy? I mean, that that's an interesting question with somebody like that. Um, you know, you're not gonna see him this year, but Trevor Gooseby looked really good this fall. That was a late eval, even though he committed after Arch. That was still a spring eval to where Texas was like, oh, hold on now. This guy over here committed to TCU's got a real chance. So that was more of a late eval in the recruiting process, maybe not senior year eval. Someone mentioned Billy Walton. What would you consider that a late eval? Um, yeah, I mean, I think if you're going to count Trevor Gooseby, then yeah, he was committed to Oak State. Texas came back in there on him. So I think in a today's recruiting calendar, I think, sadly to say, May of your junior year, when coaches are on the road, is kind of a late evaluation because they're offering kids so early now. Um, so it's the May evaluation. It's the senior year evaluation. So Billy Walton could be one of those guys. I think he's more on the Gooseby path. You've heard the flashes. You, you, we've heard that he's flashing. I mean, Gooseby's got a lot of number two left tackle reps in camp. That doesn't mean he's number two come Saturday, but he's got a lot of number two reps at left tackle. Because Cam Williams works more at right tackle than Cam Williams is out with some sickness. But Gooseby's played well. Billy Walton's played well. He's been disruptive. So are those guys, do they get in two or three games, keep their red shirt, and you really start to see it next year? That would probably be the better bet. Um, so I, I don't know. Do you, what do you consider DeAndre Moore, Bobby? Because I do think he'll have an impact this year. As I think he's going to be a fifth receiver. Yeah. I think he's fifth receiver. Hey, go to, go to this one, Jerry. Young Joe. Ant Hill jersey will arrive on September 19th. Oh, he wow. bought a jersey from the co-op. They, they now have those personalized jerseys that where some of the money goes back to the players through NIL. What's the over and under for sacks by Hill or tackles for loss? I listen to every show. You guys are the best. Hook them just three days away. Um, over and under for sacks by Hill or tackles for losses on the year? I, I'd say four sacks and seven tackles for loss. Six, maybe? What do you think, Jerry? Yeah, I'm kind of out there on the on the branch on this one because I've said it before. I'm I'm somebody asked a couple of weeks ago, so they put six and a half sacks. Wow. And I gave it a push. So I'm gonna go six and a half and ten tackle for a lot. Ten tackles. Wow, for you're loss. expecting a lot from the true That's freshman. a big season. 
Yeah. Well, that I, I, look, when Sark came out and said he's an off the ball linebacker, but we have uh, packages for him as a pass rusher, I was kind of like, whoa, now this guy ain't even played a college game. Y'all are, <laughs> y'all are going to trust him in real game action in different ways. I kind of I raised the expectation a little bit on that one, kind of like when Sark came out and said Cedric Baxter pass pro in the same sentence with with Keelan Robinson and Brooks. My antenna was like, what? That's where most coaches are saying this guy needs time here. Those are two comments that tell you those guys may be on a little different mental level than most freshmen. All right, guys. Well, that's going to do it for this edition of On Texas Football Today, Coffee and Football. But before we go, Bobby, I want you to tell everybody about what else they can expect on the channel today. Yeah, absolutely. So state of the program with Eric Nalin. We got coming out around 12 today. Eric and I need to record that here in an hour or so. I'm going to talk a little bit about the team as a whole and expectations heading into the year. Some, Some of what Jerry and I just talked about and Blake as well as it relates to true expectations and what's going forward, what's going sideways and perhaps what's reverting potentially. So we need to talk about that. I want to get that on record before the year Uh, at seven o'clock tonight, Rod Babers and Justin Wells are back with host uh, Aaron Hogan uh, for the Wednesday night live stream. Uh, We've got a lot of stuff going on tomorrow. We got football theory with Rod and Ian. Uh, I want to say thank you to our sponsor, Adam Lowy, by the way, Really appreciate him uh, asking to be part of the coffee and football uh, show. We've had a couple other sponsors reach out. We appreciate all you guys. It wouldn't happen without all of you, uh, including the Super Chats as well. Uh, We thank everybody for joining us every morning. Uh, Three days away, it's my damn birthday. I'm happy. Hey, I I, want to say a special Three days. I get football. I want to say a special thank you to our producer, Matt. For those that don't know, he lives in the Tallahassee area. So he Hurricane get a little close call there, but Matt does a great job as the producer of the show. Hey, Blake brand the whole thing today, so kudos to Blake. Yeah, Matt had to Matt had to uh, evacuate. He had to the, yeah, he had to hit the road and get the Pensacola. So he left you a question. Not hit that easterly jog late yeah. last night. <laughs> he left you a question early this morning, Jerry. Yeah. <laughs> that is, yeah. Uh, my favorite part of the drive between I-10 and Pensacola and Tallahassee is how few cops I see when I'm going 93. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. All right. Well, thank you all for tuning in. We definitely appreciate it. As Bobby said, we want to thank our sponsors, Adam Lowy, and then, of course, Game Time today as well. They, uh, thank you for all the super chats. Be sure to hit that like and subscribe button and then ring the bell so you can be notified anytime we post a new video right here on On Texas Football. And then head on over to InsideTexas.com for the latest and greatest in all things Longhorns, recruiting, team coverage, whatever it may be. You need to be a member if you're not already. So for this, that's going to do it for this edition. For Bobby Burton and Jerry Hamilton, I'm Blake Monroe, and we will see you tomorrow. See you tomorrow morning, guys.